Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the yarn truck podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 77, recorded the week of May 13th, 2019. Today's segments include transitions, on the truck, new stuff, and on the road. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is transitions, how we moved from the physical store to our now mobile store. So the first thing, uh, where we left you last, we were getting ready for the yarn crawl, um, roving Indiana, and there were 10 shops this year uh, spread out over central Indiana. Uh, we had a great show. We got to see lots of uh, lots of you guys, lots of longtime customers, lots of uh, first-time customers, and that was the 1st through the 10th of March. And then we are all, our shop was always closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. And so the Monday and Tuesday after that, um, Dave and I spent the, spent those two days in blind panic. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We loaded up all of the yarn from the brick and mortar shop that we knew we wanted to bring with us on the truck um, into giant blue Ikea bags. Um, and we inventoried everything and photographed everything so that we could put it up on our online store. Um, so that coming later in the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> when we uh, when we reopened on Wednesday, uh, we could start our final sales, um, and we put uh, discounts on everything that was still left in the shop at that point. Um, and those sales were a bit of a whirlwind, uh, kind of ten days as well, uh, where we started like the first day we did twenty or ten percent off everything, and then twenty percent off, and then thirty percent off, and then the last weekend uh, we kind of did a filled sort of a. a Depending on what you wanted, you got various discounts uh, or like fill a bag. Um, we just made it worth people's while that last weekend to come and get the very last of the things that we had. We also sold out as much of the furniture as we could. We got through a lot of store displays, um, a lot of beautiful pieces of furniture we picked up over the years. And they will have some new homes around the state. As well as a lot of our shop samples. Uh, we, we kept the shop samples that I had knit out of yarns that we were keeping with us on the truck. Um, I took out everything that I wanted just personally, like my, for my own scarves and hats and, and sweaters and things. Um, and then we sold the rest of them at screaming good deals uh, because I didn't want them to sit in my closet and never get used. Um, I would much rather have people who were going to enjoy and appreciate them have them. And we're now yarn store owners who can wear knitwear, which is, which is a rarity. <laughs> um so we uh we were the the entire month of March was a bit of a blind panic um and frantically getting getting things ready. March 24th was our very last day open. It was a Sunday um and it coincided with the very last day of our immediate next door neighbors which happened to be a microbrewery. Um it was their last day as well. We were we were all part of the same redevelopment project. So the 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 city block that we are on is being demolished and a a, a giant new project is being built there which is why we moved Um, but that meant everybody else in the parking lot also moved Um, and so they had a big uh, huge kind of blowout last day party as well Uh, we had sold every ball of yarn in the shop um, by like 
two or three in the afternoon. It was about an hour after we'd opened because someone came in and I gave her a really good deal on everything that was left in the store and she took it. So uh, that meant we could go next door for a beer. Yep. So it was actually really nice. Several other uh, customers sort of stopped in to pick up various pieces of furniture or say goodbye to us at the shop. Um, and we stood in the parking lot and drank beer with our uh, friends and, and customers that, that came by. Uh, we had a couple of visitors come in, uh, Micah, who did a fantastic job making the stairs for the truck, and uh, Bethany from Recraft, um, who we're going to be working with later in the year. So they came and had a beer with us too. And picked up and, and helped us finish our last few things. Uh, we had people from the Master Gardeners came and got um, a bunch of gardening supplies for the shop and some plants and things, um, outdoor furniture that they are, are using, um, some of the fundraising that they do, um, or just for, for use in their program. Uh, and so it was a very fun last day. We had a, we had a good time. Um, a good time was had by all, and slightly too many beers, <laughs> at least by me. <laughs> When you know the brewery owners very well, you get handed beer out of the back door uh, when everyone's standing around. So we, we tried some new things, some stuff that had been hidden in the fridges in the back and all kinds of exciting brews. Um, and then got to the um, kind of sad part where we really had to make sure that for us it was important as much of the store and as much of the old building um, that we could was saved. Um, so there was... A lot of taking things to Goodwill. Uh, we had a, a couple of people come in to reclaim some of the furniture. Erica worked with the reclamation company to take out a lot of stuff. So do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yes. Um, they, the company that we worked with is a not-for-profit uh, based in Franklin. And they, uh, they work with the... Uh, some of the historic preservation, so they, they take only old things, um, and part of it is they, they work with other homeowners and building owners to uh, replace parts of an old buildings that are going to remain standing um, and, and redevelop the, or and, and um, keep up those properties. And then they also have a small retail store where they sell um, reclaimed items to other to homeowners or people in the community, anybody who wants to come in and they're open to the public, um, come in and buy cool old stuff. Um, and all of their proceeds go to support the theater group um, in Franklin, the community theater. So it is a really neat, uh, it's a really neat program. So that reclamation company is called Madison Street Salvage, um, and they are in Franklin, Indiana, um, and it looks like they're open Tuesday through Saturday, open to the public um, for people to go in. And again, their proceeds go to benefit the community theater in the area. Uh, and they were awesome to work with. I tried for a long time to find an architectural salvage company to come and do this work, and we didn't want to be paid for it. We just didn't want the stuff to go to waste and go to the landfill. Um, and I had a really hard time finding anybody um, to come and get it. And we had a random tip about this company. I hadn't found them in my searching as I didn't know they existed. Um, but somebody during the yarn crawl mentioned them um, and they responded immediately and they sent over a big team. Um, there were probably at least 15 people uh, that came over for a one day like blitz through and they got all the doors and all the windows and all the beadboard from the, the rooms with beadboard in it. Um, woodwork, uh, a couple of other uh, unique uh, pieces that uh, that were in that in that property. They tried to get the floor 
Um, the floor was the the big bummer to me. They worked really hard, and it just it didn't come out um, as as whole pieces. So they they tried for most of a room to get uh, get out the floor, and the tongue and groove was breaking off as they were they were doing it. Um, and it would have been way more hours and way more uh, manpower than they had available to them to pull every nail individually and and back the boards out to save um, to save the tongue and groove to be able to use that. So unfortunately, the flooring did not get saved, um, but it wasn't really in the kind of shape that it would have been able to be reused um, with the kind of the fragility with the age that was on it and the the treatment that had been done. So I was bummed that the floor didn't didn't get a chance to find a new home, but we tried. Uh -huh. I had some pretty serious refinishing had to be done on it when we got the property, um, which I mostly wasn't here for, so I missed out on the craziness. But it was it was in bad shape, so it uh, it taken a while to kind of get through and really clean it up. And every time you refinish a floor, you you take off kind of a decent layer of of the top, just sanding it and scraping it and all that jazz. Uh, but it was it was neat to see them at work, and they've got it down to a fine a fine art. So if you're if you are ever in a position, um, and you're in Indiana uh, to to have something similar happen, I would highly recommend having them come out. Um, they also came to our home, which is close by, um, and got we had taken out some really old, well, really old like. 40s and 50s era uh, built-in cabinetry, um, large cabinets, and we'd refinished some of them and put them back in, but we didn't have space for all of them. So they came and got um, the rest of those along with some like old drawers from a desk and, and things like that. Um, so we we were very pleased uh, to work with them, and it made me feel really good that if the building had to go, um, to be able to uh, to save as much of it as we as we could to get it into places where it would be appreciated. So then we shut the door for the last time and kind of walked away from nearly nine years of, of having that building, which was, which was hard, but we're still happy about being on the truck and we want to talk about that now. Yep. So the last bit of the refitting of the truck was all Dave's, so that's all <laughs> Dave's to talk about. So when we left off, we just started actually fitting out the truck. So the process from start to finish is we... We picked up this kind of a little bit rough around the edges truck. That's what you get when you buy a vehicle of this age. Uh, still fitted out like a contractor's truck. They had put a service window in it to convert it to a food truck, but that never happened. So the first thing to do was take out all the metal shelves. I'm sure I talked about that. That took a long time. Uh, they were very heavy. Was, they were very heavy. There were a lot of security bolts in there. I got through about eight... Um, little bits for my uh, drill to take out the security bolts. Um, just they, they wore them down. But I finally got those out, cleaned everything up. We got some uh, uh, reclaimed laminate floor that looks like the hardwood we had at the store. Fitted that in. And then. <laughs> it wasn't reclaimed. We just got it from a. Well, it was. It was. <laughs> it hadn't been laid and then. It hadn't been taken laid back and then taken up. Um, it was. A the service. end of a lot. Yeah. Yes. Um, that counts as reclamation. I'm calling that reclamation. <laughs> okay, that just made it sound like somebody reclaimed vinyl flooring. <laughs> that didn't sound exactly right to me. So we got the floor down, and then the laborious process of putting up the walls. Turns out they don't make box trucks to fit in uh, wall displays. So <laughs> there was a lot of drilling through the aluminium struts um, and putting a lot of 
uh, boards to fit in some slat wall. Uh, so we fitted it all out with a beautiful uh, white faced uh, slat wall. Kind of looks like kind of white. Uh, it's rustic, kind of rustic looking. barn wood. And then fitted all of that out and the unusual material started to come in. So to edge everything, I picked up some neoprene rubber sheet. Uh, edged everything nicely to really make sure that there were no sharp edges that were going to catch and break as well as filling in the very top uh, edge of the truck to stop the roof vibrating so much and um, anything getting in there with pool noodles. Um, black pool <laughs> noodles. Black pool noodles. You um, wouldn't know that they were there if you weren't looking for them. A bunch of black and white silicone, white paint for the roof, uh, black for all the metalwork. Really smartened everything up so it really looked nice and clean and then we went and picked up a bunch of uh, black pegs uh, black baskets and some little uh, other little displays to fit on really fitted out the slat wall so it looks just like a regular yarn store um, one thing we have done is pack everything way more densely so there's a lot more yarn in there we, than we thought we're going to talk a little bit about kind of loading and fitting stuff on the truck um, a little bit so that was kind of all I could do. Um, fitted in uh, a bunch of LED lights and, and we need to a portable add more, speaker. We need to add more lights. Uh, yeah, we they work fantastically at night, which is where I put the lights in. <laughs> um, during the day, they can't quite compete with the sunlight. So it's a little darker in there than we wanted. So we've got we've got plans to add more lighting. Um, fitted in uh, the old open sign from the store, so it now says "open up through the window." We got a speaker in. I've got external lights fitted on so we can light up the outside and a um, an awning that we can put out on really nice days. So it's all singing, all dancing, yarn truck of the future. And then there was the steps that we couldn't do, uh, which is a surprising amount of stress. <laughs> so we had our fantastic artist friend uh, Jess from uh, Kahuna is the name of her um, art profile online. We'll link to her. Did a great job doing the outside of the truck. She designed all of the artwork, so she drew all of our um, our animal mascots, the alpaca and the sheep and the goats and the angora bunny rabbit, um, and did all of the... And the camel. You can't forget the camel. Oh, I did forget the camel. <laughs> um, and did all of the colors and the yarn balls that wrap around it. She did a great job, and we love it. It's very striking. And we worked with a, a local company, a very small one-man operation to get that printed and put on the truck and he did such a fantastic job in our super time crunch. Yeah, getting that mounted on in basically less than a week um, printing out the entire side of the truck getting that wrapped on and it looks absolutely fantastic it's, it's a very it's professional bright, job that'll yeah. last for a long time bright teal beautiful fiber animals and yarn around the side and a big version of our new logo so the truck really does look great and you can see it from a long long way away possibly from space <laughs> with the awning and the lights on you're not going to miss that even at night um and then uh, a customer uh, volunteered uh, to help us i don't think he knew quite what he was into but we really appreciate all of micah's help um he's an engineer uh, works actually for uh, um an auto parts uh, designer uh, designed and built us a portable staircase that folds down from the back of the truck so we have a full regular staircase um, big metal tube and uh, wood effect um, composite to make sure it's going to last really well in the weather that now folds out from the back of the truck we have two handrails that we slip in and um, peg on when we get there 
and we can get this stair set up in about five minutes. And they're super secure. The, the the handrails come off and are sort of inside the truck when we're driving. The steps fold up and we have two super heavy-duty linchpins that keep them in place. And then we put safety straps on as well. So they just hang out on the back of the truck as we're driving driving along. And it's very secure. It's got like a 900-pound rating <laughs> or something. Those are not going anywhere. They're about three times stronger than the uh, comparable RV steps that we were thinking about putting that would need some adaption. So he custom built that for us. Did an absolutely fantastic. Welded it on. Stayed until eleven o'clock at night. The night, <laughs> two nights in a row before our our launch weekend to make sure that those were done. We definitely all just sure. as a as a volunteer, we made sure to compensate him for his time. But he, I, I, we, I don't know how we would have done it without him. <laughs> um, his wife's a good customer, so we made sure that we got her her a uh, a gift card. Gave him some other gifts and. Um, made sure he had some beer money. Um, so yeah, we, he did a fantastic job. We're really pleased with the steps. And it allows us to open the full back of the truck up and let people inside. So Erica, do you want to talk a, a little bit about what we've managed to get on the truck? A lot of yarn. <laughs> so when we were taking things out of the shop, we had not finished the truck yet. So we didn't have an, ex I mean, we knew how big it was inside, but we didn't have a clear idea of exactly how much stock would fit. We took out of the shop what we believed was going to be way more than would fit on the truck. Uh, we had 40 of the giant blue I Ikea bags, kind of, um, I don't know, like laundry basket sized amount of stock fit in each one of those. And then we had at least 10 more of similar sized baskets and um, and other containers that we had. Those were the, oops, we didn't buy enough bags. Yeah. Um, and I thought about half of what we took out of the shop would fit on the truck, and then we would store half of it in our new office space um, to kind of cycle through things on the truck so that we would we would take some things out and put new things on at once a month or something um, to keep everything fresh. And what percentage of those did we get on the truck? 100%. 100% um, <laughs> of the bags and boxes of urine that we took out of the shop fit in the truck. And we do have a little bit of back stock, but we had that in the store as well. Um, Right, so there's a, a few things, like some of our larger line, like Seasons and LRA Classic and Classic Superwash. Um, we have some of all of the colors of those on the truck, but we had more ball, like we would have 10 balls of a color and only five of them would fit on the truck. So we do have a tiny bit in storage, um, but not very much at all. Like not more than we had <laughs> we, we always had some extra bags of yarn kind of set aside in the store and some skeins stored away just to make the shelves look neater. So yeah, it's kind of the same as we had in the brick and mortar. And... It's um, a, a lot fit on the truck. It packs together. Um, it packs together very neat and tidily. And we have uh, we we want things to be packed close so that there's less moving as we're driving. Um, we have had the experience that not all that much falls off as we drive. Like even on we're going out to Terre Haute and Bloomington, those are both more than 50 miles um, of driving and there's some hills and, and things it's along the way. Like less than 10 skeins of yard. Right. Normally <laughs> thousands are on. Yeah. There. <laughs> normally less than five skeins are on the, are on the ground when, uh, when we arrive and we are sweeping and mopping the truck um, before sort of after every show so that it, the, the yarn that falls down is falling onto clean floors. Um, or more often than not, it falls into a basket of yarn that's underneath it. 
there was um, there there was a one trip in particular where uh, we lost way more than the normal amount of yarn, um, and that took about two hours to put all the yarn back. Um, uh, but it, it has only happened one time. We'll talk about that trip in a, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then we actually had enough space that we got some more stock now. Um, so out in the truck, it's very quickly you make a space so we've been adding more things in we're actually going to be going tomorrow to go and get more pegs to fill up more of the slat wall yep we ran out of stock on the truck <laughs> we ran out of pegs before we ran out of space so from loading up the truck and get everything set up it was finally time for launch day yep so the last day at the shop was march 24th the first day out on the truck was april 6th that was a saturday and if we were to ever do this again, which will will not ever happen, I would have given us a little bit more time than that. Yeah, maybe a, a, a few more weeks for, for a couple of reasons as well. Yep. Um, but we launched on April 6th at the Real Food Shop, uh, who used to also be one of our neighbours. Uh, Tabitha is a good friend of ours, and she really was did a very good job of kind of helping us make a successful day. So she's had some uh, some snacks and some samples inside her store. She stocks um, whole foods and lots of local foods. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic shop. And she's moved to a new location just down the street. And it, she has a great new location as well. Yep. Really and a good parking lot for yarn trucks. And a good parking lot for yarn trucks. And we saw a lot of our regulars, um, even people who we knew had shopped a lot in the sales came out to see us. So we really appreciated seeing all those faces. Uh, coming out to the truck and wishing as well. And then after that day, we've been driving around the state. Um, we've been lots and lots of places on the truck now. We've been out for about six weeks. Um, not even that, five weeks. <laughs> um, we started the, after the first week in April, and it's now the second week in May. And we had a fantastic first two weeks, and then... The truck broke. <laughs> so the truck has a new engine uh, <laughs> and a new fuel injector. The first time we we totally replaced the engine, and then the very next trip, the truck still didn't work. Um, which made us miss a show that we were wanting to do. So we were planning to be at Earth Day at uh, Mary of the Woods in Terre Haute, and uh, we got halfway we, there. Yeah, we broke down in Brazil, which is an hour drive from our house, but <laughs> still 20 miles from where we were aiming. Um, we were very to, unhappy. <laughs> Erica had to take evasive action through a very bumpy parking lot when the engine stopped working, and that caused... The, the entire wall of yarn to fall. <laughs> uh, yarn, a huge, no, I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of skeins of yarn fell off both sides of the of the truck into a giant heap in the in the center, and then jumbled all about. Luckily, onto the freshly washed and clean floors after it was a little bit uh, rainy at Greencastle uh, the previous week. So. No harm done. It just took a long time to put it all back again. Um, but we hit went back to the shop, um, and the it was it, it turned out it was a fuel injector problem that had damaged the engine. So the engine did need to be replaced. We didn't replace it for no reason. Um, but uh, the the uh, repair shop did a very good job. We were 
<laughs> we were less than thrilled to miss the show after having replaced the engines, um, but it was not the fault of the of the company. It was a difficult to diagnose problem, and they made it right. I mean, they 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 replaced the fuel injectors for free. They took it on a fifty mile test drive to make sure that it was really and truly fixed. They filled up the tank of gas, which is not cheap in that vehicle. Um, they put a bunch of credits on our account for oil changes and, and maintenance for the next year. Um, it's Raymond's Auto in uh, Plainfield. They they did a very good job, and it was not uh, it, it was not their fault that it wasn't fixed the first time. But they really made it made it right um, to to make up for all of our inconvenience. So I was very pleased, and the truck has run fantastically. We've been out. More more than 500 miles on it since the since the second fix and it really is fixed yeah it, it will now drive smoothly at 70 miles an hour which is incredible when we first got the truck it would top out about 45 up a hill and um, it makes it but it cuts <laughs> off a lot of driving time that it yeah, can now it really, really go full it can go the speed limit on all the roads that we take it on so when and, and road noise and just you, you don't feel like you've been, <laughs> your bones have been shaken when you get there now. Um, so, and I mean, we were going far afield, um, driving to Terre Haute and back and Bloomington and then back in a day, like you cut an, a half hour off a, off a drive both directions, like that saves a lot of time and it makes it much nicer to, to be out and about. So, so if you see a camel going past you at 70 miles an hour. That's us. Uh, that's us. <laughs> Uh, so that was a little bit of a learning cur curve. It's We can talk positively about it now. It did not feel positive at the time. Um, they were, there was some crying in parking lots a few times um, by both of us. <laughs> um, but we knew that there would be some a learning curve and some, um, some getting started issues. And there were. Um, the kind of nice thing is the, the worst case scenario with the truck has happened. Um, and I mean, I, I've had to call tow trucks, been stuck on the side of the road for hours, um, missed shows that I wanted to go to. All of those things have happened and nobody died. It was fine. It, it worked okay. Oh, and so I, I know how I will cope with those situations and it, it kind of takes the stress off a little bit. And we've had a lot of fun. We've had a great reception all the places we've been to, seeing customers kind of old and new, um, meeting new people who are excited that we're, that we're going to be there. Um, and just catching up with customers from all around that um, often had to travel out quite a distance to come and see us. We have been the only yarn store for some distance for a long time. So now that we can come to them, uh, there's been a lot of people show up and are really happy with that. Yep. Um, we were originally thinking we were going to be doing kind of shorter spots, uh, more regular places. And it really seems to be that People really want us to be there for an event and are really look forward to us and build up and, and being places less often works better. Um, they already have their knitting clubs that they're, they're involved in and are not necessarily uh, at times that we can be there with the truck. So every time we're going to show up with the truck now will be uh, a big event and it'll allow us to go to more places. So we're it's currently our... looking for kind of spots around uh, Indiana that we can go to. So if you know somewhere, Everyone listening out there, if you know somewhere that you think we should be, um, do contact us. We are looking for more spots around the state, um, even ones that are a little bit further away. Out to Terre Haute, we've been to Muncie. Um, we're planning on going a little bit further on Sunday. So let us know if you know an event or a store that we could do a pop-up with or a cafe or a restaurant or, or a brew pub. 
that would like to have us once a month or once every six weeks. Yep. Um, so our original plan was we were going to be in kind of four main areas every other week and then in Hendricks County every week. Um, and so we were going to be in Terre Haute, Greencastle, downtown Indianapolis and Bloomington. Um, the way things have worked out with the truck breaking, with some permitting issues in Bloomington, um, it has turned out to be more like once a month in each of those places um, and then doing more additional places. So like Dave mentioned, Muncie, um, we have heard the unfortunate news that the Lafayette shop um, is, um, is closing down. And so we are working on setting something up to start maybe in the fall in Lafayette, um, maybe in Shelbyville. We're still, uh, we're going to be in Fortville. Uh, For the farmer's market. Yeah. Oh, the, um the flea, the flea market. market June first. Yeah, the flea market. We're working on some um, some places in Carmel or the north side of Indianapolis. We're looking at farmers markets and food truck Fridays, uh, first Friday events at, at galleries. Um, we've already been to the Circle City Industrial Complex for their uh, first Friday event, which was fun. Yep. There are first Thursday events in some places. First Fridays are hard because there's only so many first Fridays. There's only 12 <laughs> first Fridays in the year <laughs> and every place does first Friday. Um, so these are the kind of things that we're, we're kind of figuring out and working with. Uh, we were uh, fortunate enough to be able to park at Courthouse Grounds in Danville for their the first day of their farmer's market, which is right on the opposite side of the square. Um, and that was a great, a great day for us. Um, our planned uh, weekly stop in Plainfield was at the uh, Black Swan microbrewery and that just didn't seem to be working very well for our customers um, and so we are kind of taking some time off a regular spot in Hendricks County. Um, we are working on getting spots in the Avon and Plainfield farmers markets um, and then parking at Courthouse Grounds again in Danville. The Danville farmers market is um, producer only so it's just for farmers and makers so it's not an we can't be a part of the Danville farmers market exactly. Um, but Courthouse Grounds was great um, and worked very well and is super close to the farmer's market. So we are working uh, working on something there. We've got some cool things uh, kind of we're working on in Brownsburg, other cool things we're working on at Avon. So if you, um, we're going to be telling you at the end of every show now where we're going to be in the next week. Um, so do hang on until the end of the show so you can come and find us. That information is also on our website uh, and on our Facebook and our Instagram and our newsletter. Um, you'll see that uh, some spaces are on our schedule if you go to our uh, store and look at Where's Nomad. We have more stuff that we're working on, so do keep checking back. Uh, we're going to be adding stuff in between the events that are already on there. Yep, and a lot of the a lot of the things takes a lot of work on the back end to get like final final confirmation. So we have a lot of things penciled in on our schedule, um, but we don't want to tell you guys about it until we have absolutely everything worked out. So that we, if we say we're going to be someplace, we know that we really are going to be able to be there. So imagine one of those like old style crime programs with all the pieces of string and. Uh... And pictures put up where they're hunting for the serial killer. That's what our calendar looks like. <laughs> That's a very odd <laughs> I'm only half sure what you're talking about. Anyway, now it's time for new stuff. And Dave, you've been doing a lot of the new stuff that's in the truck with your dying. So why don't you take us through what's new? So just before we uh, close the brick and mortar, we released C-Lux, our first of our new hand eyes to come out of our new studio. Well, the second one has come out. So we have Twisted Branch. Uh, this is a yarn base that I dyed before, but now we've brought it out 
um, in a more of a regular size uh, four ounce skein in 12 new bright and fun colors. Um, there are two neutrals in there, but they're still pretty kind of saturated and unusual looking neutrals. Um, and that is out on the truck, ready to go, and on our online store. And why is it called Twisted Branch? What's it's weird about this It's called Twisted base? Branch because it's two different grades of merino. Um, so it's 100% merino wool. Um, but they're two slightly different uh, micron counts. So one is finer than the other two plies. So what happens when, um, when they ply those together is you get a barber pole effect when you dye it. So the finer grade and the, the lighter the twist ply. The finer grade fiber takes the dye more saturated because there's more actual fibers in that ply. Um, it's the same way the silk takes more. There's more kind of surface area for the dye to attach to. Um, so that ply takes the dye more saturated than the other plies do. So you end up with kind of a barber pole twist within a kettle dye. So these are all semi-solid um, kind of tunnel kettle dyes. Um, and you get this kind of beautiful sort of tweeded effect within a kettle dye. It's a really unusual looking, looking yarn. And we've named all of those colors after birds. Um, so we try and make sure we kind of stick with the theme, um, often a natural world theme with our natural fiber yarns. Um, so this and is we have fun naming them. Birds. We <laughs> we look at lots of lots of images to to find the best names for for things. It does make the names a little bit bulky to say sometimes. And <laughs> um, coming out of the studio very soon, um, the second yarn for our Kickstarter backers, um, we're calling it Panda Stomp. Um, and that is a merino wool uh, superwash and bamboo sauce viscose uh, in a sock, sock yarn. yarn. Um, yeah, with it has a fantastic sheen to it. Erica is just finishing off her project in that now, and we're going to be getting the patterns to the printers for our updated Afterthought Everything sock tomorrow. Yep, so those kits will be coming out to our Kickstarters before the end of May. We're not going to be late with this one. We were about two weeks behind schedule for our first Kickstarter kit launch. But this time we're on time. And that is the cast onto cables kit. We had a little bit of trouble getting some of the components in um, and finished for that. But it is now ready on our online store as well. So the cast onto cable kits is on the truck. It's on our online store. We'll and that uses one skein of the twisted branch to create a sampler scarf. Um, and so it is truly, uh, the kit includes absolutely everything you need, assuming you have never touched a pair of knitting needles before. Um, it has your needles, it has your yarn uh, wound up in a cake ready to start knitting. It has a tape measure and a tapestry needle and yarn snips, um, as well as a 12 page instructional booklet that take you from how to tie your slip knot, how to cast on, do your knit stitch, your purl stitch, combine those stitches together, do yarn overs, follow a basic chart, um, do some basic lace and some slip stitch patterning, um, and then a cable. Uh, and the, uh, the kit also includes a digital code so that you get a digital download of the pattern as well if you prefer to work from a digital copy, um, and also includes 15 videos uh, to take you from how to tie your slip knot um, all the way through your pattern reading and your, and your cables and all of that. Um, so this kit was a labor of love. Our Kickstarter backers did a great job in helping us get our dye studio set up and our um, video studio set up to be able to do that. Um, and the kits 
are packaged up with as minimal and sustainable packaging as possible. That was something that was really important to us. So we got all of the needles and the snips and the measure tape measures and things in bulk uh, with no packaging. Um, and then the, the outside sort of envelope style for the kit itself is made from recycled grain bags from our local microbreweries that we're partnering with. Um, so we I cut and wash and stitch and sew those together. Um, and those are the bags that the grain comes into the microbreweries and the bags themselves are not recyclable. So we're taking, we're giving them another use before they have to be thrown away. And all of the uh, printing we're having done is printed on recycled paper um, with soy-based inks as well. So they're non-toxic inks, um, and sustainable so those... inks on recycled paper. Yep, so those are all compostable or recyclable after you are done with them. And to celebrate that, um, as well as the launch of our new online store, so everything on the truck is now on our online store too, um, you can go to our online store and get $5 off your first order. So the store is at store.nomadyarnshop.com and to uh, unlock your discount, just go to the checkout and when you go to checkout, use the code PODCASTRETURNS, all one word, and we'll give you five bucks off your first shipment and that works until the 1st of June. Okay. Have a have a look around and see. And what else does that code do, Erica? If you would like just your digital copy of the Cast On To Cables 12-page uh, pattern with the embedded video links for the 15 videos, um, you can go on to Ravelry to that pattern from Cast On To Cables. It's by me, Erica Kempf-Broughton, and you can get 50% off, so you can get that pattern half price um, if you use that same digital download code. Um, so that's podcast returns, all one word. Yep, no spaces, podcast returns. Um, and have a look at our other, we have over 100 patterns up on Ravelry, so you can have a look at our other patterns as well. And also new stuff on the truck. We have seen a couple of our reps already. We've ordered some stuff for the fall and we got some stuff straight away. So we have a whole ton of new Malabrigo. Um, Malabrigo has been wildly <laughs> popular on the truck. We could just be the Malabrigo yard truck. <laughs> so we have Rios, we have Makita, we have Sock, we have Dostieras. Um, all of those, we got new stock in, in quite large quantities. Um, we also have Raster on the truck that we'll be restocking in the fall and winter season. That's the super chunky stuff, so we didn't get more of that as it's 80 degrees out. And we have Matabrigo's new yarn for the season uh, coming soon, so we'll tell you more about that when that arrives. It's also... linen. Shh, linen itself, but don't tell anyone. Um, and then we also have some fantastic other uh, things on, so we ordered some more from Fravgis. If you are a spinner, we have ordered the Dyer's Choice again. That's a big way of getting you a good discount. Uh, so we order uh, Dyer's Choice. That's kind of the end of their die runs when they have one or two skeins left from doing a big die run. Uh, they put them all in a box, no matter what fiber content they are, and sell them to us at a bargain price, and we pass that on. So any Fraudist braids we have on the truck are 20 bucks. And some of their luxury um, or limited edition colorways go for 30 or $40 retail usually. So you can get some really good deals on some really fun things yeah, from them. $20 is the lowest Fravgis fiber price. So you get that at their regular kind of Merino BFL price. And there's some really cool $40 braids in there. We order those boxes. They're always fun to open. There's always a couple of spinners. So we have 
a big lot of Dyer's Choice on the truck now, as well as some of their fantastic colour packs. The Wonderland color packs, so the mini skein one ounce uh, break or one ounce skeins. We have the five pack of those that we've had in this in the store before. And those are in the Cheshire Cat fingering weight. And then we have a crazy giant one um, <laughs> that is twenty of those in one pack. That's called So Fond of Rainbows, and that is a twenty skein mini pack. Um, goes from uh, one end of the rainbow to the other, um, and that's over 2,500 yards in one of those. So It's enough for a sweater and a matching sweater for your kid or your dog or <laughs> the hat or uh, any other thing that you would want to do. It's uh, They're fun. I love the way they look. Um, so those are all on the truck too, as well as we um, we have some cool other stuff coming soon, including some local alpaca that is sat here in our office. Um, we have we need more pegs out. for the truck to put it on. It'll be going on this week. Um, a local alpaca farm called Lookout uh, Farm Alpacas um, retired, and we bought out all of their local um, alpaca yarn from their farm. And all of the skeins are natural colors, and they have the name and the picture of the alpaca on. They're really stinking cute. So we'll talk more about that next week when we have them up on our online store as well, so you can see them as you're listening to the podcast. But they will be with us, hopefully, this weekend. And Eric is going to tell us where we're going to be. So the very last segment, and we'll have this be the segment that we do at the end of all of our podcasts from here on out. It's going to be the on the road. Where can you find us this week? So... During the week this week, we are not going to be anywhere. Uh, we are going to be doing all admin things. This is a break from some of the regular stops we decided to do less often. So we have some admin time and not enough time to set up new stops. And so this weekend will be the first time that we are out and we are going to be in Lexington, Kentucky. This is a brand new fiber event um, for us. It has been going for 10 or more years. It's been going a while. Um, I'm not quite sure how long. But I have never been as a shopper um, and certainly the truck has never been. Um, so it is the Kentucky Sheep and Wool. It is just outside of Lexington, uh, Kentucky. And we are very excited. I want to go and just shop, um, but I'm going to have to work as well. And we're taking the we're taking the kids, and uh, Erica's parents are coming with us too um, in a, a backup car, the sag wagon. <laughs> so we are going to kind of make a whole weekend vacation out of it as well. Um, we've got our very first Airbnb experience. Um, I've I've booked a, an entire house for us uh, to all stay in, so that'll make things easier with the kids. Um, and we're very excited to see the sights of Lexington and take the truck out of state for the first time. So come see us in Lexington, Kentucky for the Kentucky Sheep and Fiber, uh, May 18th and 19th. And we'll be telling you uh, later in the week or at start of next week where we're going to be for the following one. Yep, absolutely. We are glad to be back again with the podcast and excited to see you all out on the track. See you on the road. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarshop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.